Welcome to Reactive. My name is Khalil and I'm here with NPM employee number one, Raquel Velez. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and PHP man, Ember enthusiast, and JSON API lover, uh, Henning Gladegertz. Hello. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Oh, my gosh. What? That's right. Halloween. Yes, it's coming. <clears throat> Halloween is the weirdest holiday for me. <laughs> I like I dislike it so much, but that's because I get really scared really easily. Like, you know that uh, there's like a Twitter account that's like horror stories or something in like 140 characters. Every single one of them gives me nightmares. I like can't do it. <laughs> I'm just like I, I get so scared so easily. Halloween is like my least favorite holiday. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you got to stay away from the the scary stuff, I guess, and yeah, stick with the fun things like carving pumpkins and things like that. Mm. Yeah, or or we can just do what, what my husband and I have been doing for the last uh, few years. We just escape. We completely escape from from the cities, and we just go to like some remote, non internet accessible area for a weekend, and just we're gone. Nobody can find us. We can't. No trick or treaters. We put a sign on our doorbell that says "broken." And <laughs> <laughs> we're just like we're done. <laughs> That's a good solution. That's great. It's really really fantastic. People were like, oh, their doorbell is broken. Well, I guess I can't ring the doorbell. (laughs) So weird at Halloween now. Since a few years in Germany, like the doorbell rings at night, like uh, on the 31st. And it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) No. No. We just ignore it. Like it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, the thing is funny too. They don't say trick or treat. They just say <clears throat> it's Zeus's or sours, which is sweet. At least that is what they do around here, which is sweet or sour. Well, like, because, huh? because no, no, because they they translated. Uh, so the German dubbed movies, right? When there, whenever there was a Halloween something in a movie, they would translate it as um, Zeus's oder es gibt saures. Ah. And when you say when you say oder es gibt saures, that means like yeah yeah yeah. Now it makes sense. Yeah, or or like give me something sweet, or you know I'm going to do something to sour. Yeah. well something sour. Yeah, something that you will not like, right? <clears throat> which is which is like a really the, kind the of old of, you know sour candy or something. But I guess no, no. This is this is just a really like old timey way of, of 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 threatening somebody in a not very threatening sounding way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so basically they just shortened it to Zeus's oder Saures, which uh-huh. it's just so weird and ugh, so so uh, embarrassing. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I watched the. Uh, speaking of translating, I speak. I watched The Martian in German <laughs> wow. this past weekend. Man, that was that was different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was not wasn't that great because of the dubbing or? Yeah, well, I haven't watched a, a movie in its ori- or in in a, in a dubbed form in, in a very long time, and I know you know what the actors sound like, like yeah. Matt Damon. I know what he sounds like, and it's just weird to see him speaking differently you know yeah it was it was quite hard to get used to but the movie itself is um is good i mean i i like space movies and this was just uh a cg you know extravaganza it's insane how how they can or what they can do now it's just mm-hmm. utterly incredible yeah and the story did you did you like the story the or? story was good yeah i mean it's it's uh it's somewhat believable at uh, you know in in the somewhat distant future um, there were some crazy parts, but you know it's a movie, so yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, anyway, cool, super Thanks. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, what's going on, Raquel? Anything cool um, happening? I mean, mm, work. Just doing work stuff internet i don't know i'm trying to think of like so for the first time this past weekend was the first time where i didn't have to freak out about something like an upcoming conference no 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 (laughs) just in like the last few months okay it's it's just it's really relieving to not have to freak out about something like oh my god 
I forgot I signed up to do a talk a year ago and it's it's coming in two weeks and now I have to, you know, freak out and make it or do it or whatever. <laughs> um so it was kinda nice. I just I really chilled out this past weekend and you know, this coming weekend I'm going to the middle of nowhere and so I'm chill. I'm like not angry about anything. I'm not excited about anything. I'm just like things are good. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds really good. And here's Rock about the most boring co-host ever. Okay. <laughs> what? No. Hey. Never. <laughs> it's cool. Oh, how about how about how about you two? How what's heading what what what's what's new tech wise? Um, pretty much here? sort of the same uh, as the last two weeks. Heads this down. It's exciting. Yeah, riveting. Super just continuing with the excitement. <laughs> no, I, I there's um, some fires going on that don't let me do much else at the moment. So, oh, PHP uh, fires. Yeah, yeah, PHP mm-hmm. and network fires and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sort of some things I saw on the periphery. Actually, today there was quite a bit of uh, chatter in the in the Slack, and I think you were involved in that too, Khalil. And uh, one of the things yeah. that sort of stuck yeah. out. Yeah. Nice. Go ahead. What's going on? <laughs> anyway, one of the things I saw that was um, this uh, tweet, I believe, by, uh, I don't know who, who tweeted it, but it was Sindrasaurus had on his AMA. He was explaining why, um, or why, you know, how to justify uh, one-line node modules <clears throat> or NPM packages, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was... It was really interesting, and I love all the 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 arguments he has for it. They make total sense, um, not just you know for Node, but for almost any uh, well, a lot of other languages. Essentially, meaning that you know you can have small tested units um, that do one very specific thing, and he has some great comparisons in there. But my question to you guys, and we've talked about this before, uh, people, not guys, um, is you know. How do you get to a point where you can easily find all these little modules? That's that's really still my biggest my biggest problem. Um, is it just by going and reading other code and you get a knowledge of it over time, or because that's that's to me that's still the biggest the biggest hurdle to this? What do you what do you mean like like in terms of finding the modules or yeah, figuring say, out? For example, the thing that happened to me with um, with I think it was Fido, you know. Um, there's actually a module to, and, and, and Sindra also mentions this, there's actually a module to find your home directory. And, <laughs> user, you know, user home, yeah. Yeah, user home. <laughs> I mean, how does it even occur to me that that actually exists? It's, it's like, you know, right. it seems so trivial, but it makes perfect sense to have that be a module because of all the, the edge cases and windows, et cetera, you know that have Mm -hmm. basically extra code. So it is probably wiser to use something that's existing that actually has tests and then to try to write that yourself, right? But especially as a noob like me in Node, how do, you know, I guess you could search. um, Or not. Don't don't do that. Don't, don't. don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, Search is still terrible. It's still vocabulary, you know, also, because yeah. you don't know exactly what you're actually looking for, maybe. And then mm-hmm. if you do find some, how do you pick the one that's the best, is, I guess. so. I think, I think it, the, it, it's definitely a good idea to spend a lot, a lot of time in the search. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I think there's also alternative uh, search engines. And also there's, for instance, curated lists. For instance, Sindre... Uh, has one of his awesome lists. There's like an awesome module list or whatever. It's a huge list of really cool node modules for different things. And it's definitely, I think when it comes to node packages, when you have a sense, when you when you kind of feel like, okay, this has to exist already, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> then really do uh, not just try one idea, you know, of or one kind of word combination. Try many different things and and look in different places. Uh, I think because because I think that often that pays off. You know, mm-hmm. you know because 
if there is a a good module for that problem that you have, then eventually you will find it because also the good ones they kind of get mentioned more, you know, and on uh, yeah, and and they're they're easier to find in the search as well. I think. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm hearing out is I I think it just something like this this comes over time with with your immersion in in the in the ecosystem. I guess you learn where to look. You you become knowledgeable about these resources that you just listed, yeah. um, <clears throat> and you might not. You know, you can't expect to find them all instantly. I guess. No, and and mm-hmm. yeah, I think you also maybe I think I also some I feel like I have developed kind of like an intuitive uh like an intuition for what i have to look for a little bit and that mm. that i guess also comes with just using this you know using the different me- methods of searching for modules you can also use google to search for modules and stuff and uh, and just yeah try different kind of words for yeah. the same thing or so yeah i mean i know this sounds like such a silly question but it is actually well it's to not, me it's, it's a problem yeah yeah, yeah, yeah no it's it's legit yeah. It's totally the other thing is that, yeah, the the other thing is that um, at some point, like, there's going to be a moment where you're like, okay, this is a really easy thing. I'm just going to do it, da-da-da-da, and you're coding right along. And then you're going to realize, oh, my gosh, there's a billion edge cases to this thing. Surely somebody must have made a module for this already, right? Mm -hmm. And then if they haven't, well, then fine, I'll make my own. And I think what what we find a lot in uh, across modules, uh, like, there's just so many now a lot of people can't find what they're looking for. And so they'll just make it themselves. And then it'll be like, oh, wait, like after they've already pressed publish, they'll find out that there's been something else around for a little while. Um, but especially if it's something like really, really uh, ab- like obscure, mm-hmm. not something that a lot of people use, then I mean, yeah, it's finding a needle in the haystack. You might not find it, but that's okay. Um, but you, you do like for me, at least I start looking for modules when I hit that moment of surely somebody else has done this already. Surely I shouldn't have to be the one to do it. Um, and that just comes, it comes down to, you know, a little bit of experience over time, but also ultimate laziness, ultimate, (laughs) ultimate laziness. Uh, (laughs) and that's, that's me at least I'm like super, super lazy. So I'm just like, uh, I hope somebody else has written this for me, please. Um, And and about ninety percent of the time, somebody has. It might not be the the best uh, implementation of it that I would have expected or that I want or whatever. And sometimes I'll I'll fork or uh, you know just build build it myself. Especially if it's a one line module. Like maybe I don't want the home directory. Maybe I want any directory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know stuff like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a tough it's a toughie. Uh, yeah, but but that uh, response. So basically, that was uh, a response to an AMA question on his GitHub AMA, um, which was the question was one line note modules. Right, <laughs> that's a question. Um, <laughs> and uh, but his his answer was great, and he got encouraged to um, to to finally start a blog. I think he's been asked that a lot of times because uh, he he often has like some really cool like insightful stuff to say in GitHub issues, and he actually just launched his blog, which is a Medium um, publication, um, and uh, which is cool. So I'm looking forward to to see to see what he's going to write there. Because yeah, he's really really big into using GitHub for or Git for everything. I think right. Well, he, he said. So basically, he, what he said. Uh, so he, a lot of his quest, uh, a lot of people ask him why he's so productive, and that mo- mostly he says that it mostly comes from stems from the fact that he is using npm as like his snippet storage thing. Right. So whenever he needs, when he, whenever he makes something and he f- he thinks, okay, I can reuse this in the future, he makes a little module out of it, and often it's just. It's depending on other modules already, and he's not actually adding that much, but it's um, but it's a really good. Uh, but that's how he builds his programs, basically, and and uh, yeah, and uh, he, he and he really he does build, he does put a lot of uh, even though if, even though it is a small thing sometimes the the node packages he makes they're always very 
well like really well written and um well documented and he often for his bigger ones he has like he he makes a little logo and stuff like that so you can always see like the care that goes into it and and then there's a lot of people depending on those modules um today and yeah it's just uh he's he's just he, he, that's just how he i think uh how he uh, relaxes you know yeah <laughs> like coding uh doing little note programs all right cool cool what if what have you bumped into bumped into that's a good question yeah, yeah. um also there was there was um oh yeah so it was something funny um so i put this tweet in the in the in the trello uh, in the trello it was marco arment um posting an uh posting a picture of a new icon of a mac app that he's working on and it has like the german flag on it right so <laughs> so or the icon the icon is like like a german flag and what is funny about this is this is this is an application with with which you can you can um uh set chapters in mp3s right so he just made his latest the latest release of his podcast player supports mp3 chapters and he uses he made himself this little application to set the chapters and he asked on twitter if anybody's interested in it and there is this joke on his podcast uh, about the chapters thing because because whenever he was talking about it <laughs> so he got a lot of requests from people to to support chapters in his um in his podcast player uh, because like all the others do it or some others or whatever and um he was a little bit frustrated by that and he said that like 99% of the requests were from Germans. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> so they were making jokes all like it was like a running gag on on ATP um about like about podcast like the the that the Germans always wanting the the chapters and and for a long time this just went on and he was just like I'm not going to do that this is annoying and then at some point now for for uh his newest version he he implemented it and he found that this was actually very cool you know and he he enjoyed it and so so that's why he made he made the icon at least uh, he he's the, he said like I probably can't ship this uh, with its placeholder icon though so he, this will not be uh, Apple will not accept that icon or whatever. But that was as a joke. That was funny. That is funny. <laughs> Wonder why that is though. I, I have no idea. It's inexplicable. Mm. It just is like I don't know. Maybe a German you, urge to be organized, I guess, <laughs> yeah, or be efficient. I don't know because because yeah. what it allows you to do is like you know is to, to jump the different parts of the podcast that interest you. That's true. It's, it's a good use. It's yeah. it's it's good to have that, if, especially if you want to listen to a lot of podcasts and you just want to jump to the things that you like. But so this is definitely a, a a GUI app. It's not a command line thing. Yeah, and he also I think he also said something like it doesn't look good and it's not like anything special, but it works or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, but it would be great because I've been looking around for a chapter thing, and the only thing so far that that I have found was um, the Orphonic kind of web app um, where you can set chapters and it would just be cool if you could just have do it on the command line but there's also no mo node package so far I haven't seen I, I looked I looked around there today. is something with bindings into Python I think okay I have to look into it some more but anyway it's so obscure <clears throat> yeah only a few Germans care about it right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh it's funny <clears throat> It is. That's funny. Um, speaking of of the Slack channel, there there have been some really really interesting conversations that have happened over the last week. Um, it, my my favorite one in particular was one about um, like should I? Oh, what was it? Oh shoot! This was it was really important, and I've totally just like <laughs> goodness gracious. Um. Yeah. Oh, like should I should I 
should I go to meetups? Right. And like, should I, like, how do I, how do I get into, into being a developer and, and how do I like really get into this industry and, and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I'm totally messing it up now. It was really interesting. Everybody should just join our Slack channel because we have really <laughs> was cool that the conversation of, um, I think there was one person asking how we could make the, the meetup more inclusive. Was that it? Oh yeah. yeah it was, like, you it was before right. that. But okay. it, yeah, I mean, like that was definitely part of it because somebody was like, "I'm I don't like going to meetups because I'm I'm scared because I don't know anybody," mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, I think the it was a pretty unanimous response of like, "No one ever knows anybody their first time. Just go." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really, really, really useful to go to a meetup, um, and and yeah, and then there were organizers as well who were like, "I organize meetups, but I can't." get newbies to come to this? How do I encourage them to come? And how do I, how do I make my meetup more inclusive so that uh, newbies and, and even non-newbies who are just not the same as everybody else feel welcome and, and stuff like that. And it was a, it was a really fun and cool conversation. Um, and there's been some really, really cool talks about what, what good documentation looks like, which I thought oh, yeah. was really... Did, you, did anything come out of that? I didn't follow that closely. Yeah, it was, um, there were a bunch of people talking about how the, I thought one of the most interesting ones was the underscore docs. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's really, really nice. However, somebody pointed out, it's really great if it's a reference, but it's not great if you're trying to understand what it's about, what it's for, et cetera, et cetera, which I thought was really interesting. Like, and I kind of wonder if in documentation land, we kind of sacrifice one for the other like do you make this for newbies or do you make it for as like a reference because a lot of times i mean everybody says everybody knows that they should document their work and and make it so that you know people can understand what it is that you're doing at least in open source land but you have a limited amount of time it's like it's also the most tedious part of your job it's not as fun right it's it's way more fun to be writing new code and putting in product and uh, fixing bugs and all of that stuff. But documentation is also really important. So people will often just kind of be like, okay, I've got to make docs. Let's just do it. But can you, is it possible to make documentation that appeases both parties, uh, both the newbie person and the person who just needs the reference? What do you, what do you two think? When, when you say reference, do you mean like API docs that, that basically, you know, well, explains the API and, and all the parameters, et cetera, or a bit more in depth than that. Um, for me, like a reference is is a lot like a like an API doc, like like okay. the Stripe docs. Um, you can go to the API section and you can just because a lot of the time it'll be something like, okay, I remember that there's a route for this. I just don't remember what the route is, or uh, what's the name of that function that does this thing. I don't necessarily need to know. Like, I need to know what it does, but I don't need to know how to use, like, why am I even bothering to use this module? I've already answered that question for myself. I'm using the module. Now I just right. need to know, okay, I've got the module. I'm already using it. I want this extra piece of functionality. What's it called? What parameters do I need to send to it so that I can get the most out of it? Yep. Yeah, I think um, that's a, it's a really hard balance to, to strike because... Um, my 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 most recent experiences with the ember documentation which has improved drastically but what i the problem i had there in the beginning too was the why or the how and and tying it all together and and where to even start and mm-hmm. and now that i i'm you know fairly okay with that i can't really judge the quality of the documentation anymore because it serves the purpose that i need um mm-hmm. i don't know if it's you know any better for for new people but what they mm-hmm. do is they have, um, you know, basically what they call the guide section, and it explains on a higher level everything with examples, and it even has, um, I think it's either JSPIN or or a derivative of that because they have to make their own version now, so they can actually use um, Ember CLI, you know, compliant code and ES6 modules, etc. That doesn't work so easily in in JSPIN, or maybe not at all. Um, so they have that included. Um, so there's a lot of examples that way. And then they have a separate section with the API docs that are, you know, 
what you would expect. I mean, just probably just generated with some one of the, the standard tools. So I cool. I guess if, you know, to answer the question, what docs do you like, that's what comes to mind right now for me. So those are mm-hmm. pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I think that there's definitely uh, some sort of a pattern that has emerged. So, and <laughs> that they're like, that has like, uh, three layers and there's the uh, the getting started and the guide and then the APIs or yeah. the API mm-hmm. documentation. And I think I see, I see that happening with a lot of documentation, especially the better ones that have those three things. So the getting started is more like, okay, how can I, I just want to, you know, fiddle around with it and basically know how to get started to have something up and running and then dive into the APIs. And then, uh, and then there's the guide that that really that that's supposed to, and and that's I think that is a it's a big challenge to do that really well, but the guides are the thing in my mind that are supposed to pick up the new uh, program like the program that is new to this uh, right at the beginning and explain like what is this about what is the thought that went into it why are we doing things in which way and really guide them through it all the way and show them how you build an application step by step and stuff like that and then you have the apis like you described like just as a reference you can just you can dip in whenever you need to and i think if you do those three things well then then you have a really good documentation yeah i would add that sometimes it makes sense to have something um maybe a little more something like a, a, I don't know, a cookbook or recipe kind of thing that explains um, certain bigger concepts, larger mm-hmm. concepts, and how to tie those those individual, maybe smaller guides together. Um, you know, yeah. again, looking at the, the Ember example, something like authentication or something like that, that is, you know, is not necessarily... Um, completely apparent or logical to to figure out, um, and and something you know like a cookbook or something that that would help. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 would be an interesting like fourth layer for like like really, yeah, like recipes and also mm-hmm. and also best practices. I mean, that's often something maybe that you would put into the guides, but it would be also nice to just have. Uh, best practices guide of like this is the best way how you how you can build an application. I think like for instance, Facebook did that with with their way of saying, okay, here is React, which is just the view, and then here is Flux, and this is a pattern how you would structure a big application. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that really helped a lot of people actually. And and this is something that uh, with a lot of frameworks, so. Backbone, Angular, and Ember, I'm not 100% sure. I guess Ember, not so much, but at least back in the day with Backbone and also uh, Angular, there was always this big question mark about, okay, I have all these possibilities, but how how do I go about building something complex with this? Well, that was definitely the case with Ember in the beginning. There's like no no explanation how to get started. Hmm. Yeah, that was Mm -hmm. a big problem. I think that's with this nearly every new framework and the one or the framework of the bunch that try to solve the same or similar problem that nails that first is probably the one that's going to be, you know, more or one of the more successful ones. I've seen that happen Definitely. several times. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'm looking at the uh the moment.js docs. It's actually really really good. It's really, really good because it talks about how like there's like a really basic cheat sheet uh, on the homepage and then you can go to docs and you can see like there's like just an easy to navigate, like this is how to use it. These are the different pieces of whatever. Um, it's it's really nice. Yeah, I like yeah it they've, they're in there. They've done several revisions of that. It's 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 pretty good. Or very right, good. Right. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Oh my goodness! And and you can actually they actually have the unit tests in the browser, so you can see if the, all the tests are passing in the browser. 
<laughs> they have a little nice. test tab, which I think is kind of cool. Um, hmm. Anyway, that's neat. All right. Anyway, so Bravo, Omegas. Oh, it's so useful because time zones, as we've oh, learned gosh. this week, are the worst. <laughs> time zones are the literal worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so uh, last week I watched uh, some of the CSS Conf videos that came out. and um, Oh, nice. Yeah, and one of them, so I watched the Leah Veru one, which was really, really good. And also the one by Yuna Kravitz. Krav- Kravitz. Mm-hmm. And um, she did this whole thing where <clears throat> um, she was basically... Did I talk about this already? I feel like I talked about this already. Um, a little bit about how, or it somehow came up. About yeah, but I think not a long time. Photoshop uh, is dead or something. Yeah. yeah, it was about how she uses basically Chrome to do everything that she used to do in Photoshop. And she's a designer and she, um, yeah, she just uses HTML and CSS. And it was very surprising and very interesting, all the different things that she could do with just CSS. And in the end, she also she basically showed how you what like uh, something cool that you could do with filters and something else, um, CSS filters and I think what was it gradients or yeah, I think gradients and CSS um, to change to basically do color correction and you know like image filters like C- like Instagram filters for images and stuff. And for instance, she had this one example where she had like this this very beautiful site that she designed with text on the right side and then and then um, diamond shaped images, you know, like they were cut out like they were just like uh, squares, but then rotated a little bit. And then there were different images underneath each other and they had all different lighting and different kind of atmosphere. And she used those those filters and gradients to quickly kind of give them all a similar kind of feel and, more, and 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 make them fit together better and it upgraded the site immediately for instance and um so kind of out of this talk now comes this project that she put on GitHub which is called CSS gram which is basically a bunch of uh like CSS classes that you can use to um to put like those those famous Instagram filters on your pictures by just using CSS, which is really great. Wow, cool. I'm looking at that now. That is nuts. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, amazing. I was I was very surprised by, and she's a really great uh, speaker as well. I definitely um, um, recommend watching that talk. It was really good. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, it's amazing nice. what you can do. And you, I mean, you really have to understand those CSS properties and how they work. And, you know, it helps to have done some kind of, you know, that kind of stuff in Photoshop as well and, and, and learn how those correspond to each other and, you know, how the functions that you use in Photoshop, how they correspond to the CSS stuff that you can do in the browser. But yeah, she, she, she listed, like she put this list on the, in one of her slides of the things that you, you know, the most important features in Photoshop and what, what, which ones you can already uh, use in the browser or you can do the same thing in the browser. And there was just like a few left, like three or so from like 20 or I don't know. So there's really a lot you can do with just the browser, which is really great. I mean, I think if, um, if the designers can actually do prototyping right in the browser, that's, that's, so helpful i think for you know also the communication between developers and designers and also for the product to get to to a, re- a really good web design really quickly it's very cool yeah yeah i think i think people who css really well are just wizards of the browser <laughs> i really really do yeah it's just amazing uh <laughs> It is. Yeah, yeah. When is it going to get yeah. easier? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. It's just getting more complicated, uh, honestly. Yeah. Well, I saw this thing, yeah. you know, the Flexbox. Um, watched a few videos on that. And that, oh, yeah, that flex, seems, Flexbox is, is good. That yeah. seems compre- you know, easy, more easily to comprehend, but I'm, I'm not sure. 
Yeah. Some people say when you're not used to that, it seems totally complicated. But to me, it seems easier. But oh well. Still a lot of mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I, I will be. What I want is for an in-browser easy like CSS thing to do some things that Photoshop can do that it's not f- about filters, right? Like the other day I got a picture uh, of myself and I hated it because there was a seed in my teeth. <laughs> and for whatever reason, the photographer didn't tell me about it and took all of these pictures with like a thing in my teeth. And I'm like freaking out and I'm getting this. And I was like, you know what? I have the tools necessary to fix this. So I went in, I didn't, I don't have Photoshop. I use a uh, pixel mm-hmm. but it was just like, you know, the little band-aid tool, fix that little thing and boop, it's gone. Yeah. So when, when it works on, on the browser, let me know. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I wonder you could implement that. Well, you would have to canvas yeah. and do some canvas magic there. Yeah. No, it, it gets really hard. At yeah. that point, I think it's worth it for, for Pixelmator. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Pixelmator yeah. is great. So it is. It is. So uh, one of the last or later um, JavaScript Jabber episodes, I think it's 182, is really, really good. It's on um, RxJS and um, Matthew, whose last name I can't pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) I also... Podvisoki? Podvisoki. Actually, it's not that that difficult. It's Podvisoki, I think, yeah. Okay. He does a really, really nice job of explaining observables. And, um, at least in theory, I think I understand them. I mean, I've never done anything with them. Yeah. Um, but it, it makes perfect sense when, when you listen to him. Um, probably also, you know, when Jafar explains them, but this was the latest version of it that I've heard. Um, my question though still is like, how do you practically use it? Like, do you have a use case you could tell me? Yeah, so so basically, so I've been dealing with observables a bit now because okay. I've we've building the application we're building at work. I introduced uh, a, f- a flux architecture with observables, mm-hmm. and, and and I had to also t- and so I gave a little talk at uh, at this event recently, and also had to yesterday explain to my colleagues what they how they work and how our flux thing works. And um, so Flux, for instance, is, is, is a way to use it. So once you, under, once, you, you, once you get into observables, you want to model everything that happens in your UI with, with, with observables. But just, just to, I think what's, what's good is to, if you imagine, you know, how you write the code, right? So, and that's also something that I showed a little bit. I made a few JS bins with, with little examples and so the simplest example is <clears throat> you include the Rx library into your int, into your project. And then you have the Rx global, right? And then the Rx global has the observable on it. So you say, and it, like, you know, we talked about before, you can create an observable from mouse clicks, for instance. So what, how that, how you do that is that you say rx.observable.fromEvent. And then, and then, um, and then you open the brackets and put in like whatever element you want to listen on and then which event. So it's going to be the click event. And we just to keep it easy, we'll just listen to the, to the document, um, element in the DOM. So, so any click you do in the browser, it will pick up, right? And so what happens then is that, so now you have this, you, you can store that observable. So, so now what you did by just doing that, by just saying observable from event, click document or document click, um, you created a click stream um, because stream is maybe even a better word for what they are than actually observables. So you created an observable for, for clicks, which I will call stream, a click stream. And you can store that in a variable, so now you have a handle on it. And and then, so and the easiest thing to do now is to take that handle and say dot subscribe, so you can call it, so we'll call it clickstream, and you do clickstream dot subscribe, and then you have three callbacks that you can call. So one is just, 
you know, all the click events that, that go through the observable, that's the first callback. They, they get fed into this first callback. The second one is the error callback, and the third one is the uncompleted. But in this case, we won't have any completed event. So it's just going to be, and also no error. So it's just going to be the click. So we just pass one callback. And then you can, you can do, um, you can just, you know, console log it out. So that is the easiest example. So you, whenever, whenever I click on, on the website, then I get, uh, like click event data passed into that callback and, and it ends up in the console. And, um, <clears throat> so, so, what so what this observable does it has this api that it, and there's a bunch of array methods on there and also other methods um but for instance we have map filter reduce and then there's zip and flat map and all kinds of different then start with and all kinds of different um it's a big api that you can use but but just to keep it simple we can say for instance there was this uh, really cool example in this introduction uh, by it, it, into reactive programming by Andre Stoltz, and um, <clears throat> so basically that example is, I want to react only to double clicks. So, so you need only, in order to do that, you can you, you use three lines of code. So you you make your click stream like I just described, and then <clears throat> then you take that click stream handler and you say. Um, dot map, and then what that does, it maps like every single. Oh, sorry. In this case, no. So we wanna we want to record double clicks. So what you what you can do now is you you're only interested in um, like multiple clicks that happen within 250 milliseconds. So what you can do is that is clickstream dot buffer. So the buffer will record all the clicks that you do, and then you pass um, to that buffer. You you pass the click stream again, which uh, with a throttle of two hundred fifty milliseconds. So that so the click stream will only pass every two hundred fifty milliseconds. It will pass uh, something into that buffer. The buffer records. Um, um, all the clicks that you do, but only every 250 milliseconds, something can be passed through that click stream. And then, so, so when you, um, so when you click, uh, really quickly, like once or twice, um, then after 250 milliseconds, you get passed through the buffer. You can do on the buffer. You can do dot map, and you get passed through an array because it got the clicks got buffered th during those two hundred and fifty milliseconds into an array. You get an array of the click data, and then um, you can, if it's just one click, you can go ahead and after the map. So you can say map, and you get this um, click data, and you can you can. Uh, instead of passing the click data to to your callbacks, now you just want to count the amount of clicks that happen in this case, just to keep it simple. So you map, um, you get the array of click data, then you do map, and then um, take the array that's passed into the map, and then do dot length. This gets really complicated to complete to explain it. It's just three lines of code, though, and then uh, you pass the length of those events to a filter function because you do buffer, then you do map, then you do filter, and then you filter out all the um, all the um, events that are that are more than uh, more than one. So. Everything that is more than two, more than one click gets passed through to your callback. Everything that's um, uh, just one click is ignored. And then then you have your subscribe right at the end, and the subscribe only gets all the events that were multiple clicks within those 250 milliseconds. And those are three lines of code, but it's really... Like without showing it, it's really difficult to, to explain this. Yeah, but, I just but basically realized. it sounds like it's a... Sort of an abstraction around event handling, or it gives you tools to to sort of pool the certain events that you're interested in together and and do operations on them. Is that yeah, exactly crude so, way of saying it? Yeah, it's 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 around event handling. You can also you can also make an observable out of a promise, 
And and then what what just happens is like you get you get some asynchronous data into your code, and then you can just go ahead and transform it with those with those array functions that the observable has, and then and then at the end in your subscribe function you can just you know put it into your then it's transformed in how you want it to put it into your UI for instance, and and there is. There's all kinds of stuff. And it, what that does, it kind of makes it, you don't have any temporary, you know, no temp variables where you kind of hold state or global variables, variables where you have to, where you hold state uh, and, and count stuff or whatever. Um, it just gets passed through those, those, it's like functional programming, basically. It gets uh, the, the observable data gets passed through um, those filter and map, reduce, whatever functions, and it gets transformed on the fly, and it, and something new comes out at the end of it, and um, and then you can, and then yeah, and then you can use it in your UI, and and there's there's a lot of different examples, uh, and you can really you can also model like um, uh, there's like for instance like a five five line example how to do uh to, uh, an autocomplete um uh like to how to model an autocomplete search thingy where like it's like there are functions to take care of um you know um like the different requests that go to the server and and it you can make sure very easily that um you really always get the the latest request back you know because you can when you do an autocomplete function what the 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 uh, i mean an autocomplete like input field the problem with that is whenever you send multiple requests to a server you never know there's no security for you if which request is coming back is that read the last request that i sent to the server or is it the quest from before from two um two requests before that or whatever and with observables there's a very very easy way to make sure that you always listen just to the latest request that you sent to the server. And it just is like, you don't have any complicated like ifs or whatever. And it's just like, it's just very elegant. And it, again, in this case, you have like an input stream, um, like an event stream that comes in from, from the, from the key ups or whatever that the user does into the input field. And then you transform those key ups in a way that you, um, yeah, that you only get the relevant, you only listen to the relevant data that comes from the server, and then you just put that out into the search results. And um, it's 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 yeah, when it's just a really elegant way to to deal with uh, with events and uh, asynchronous stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it lets you structure your code in a more sane way that's easier to reason about than. Having all this, these these crazy nested callbacks—that's something that I have. Yeah, exactly. I, I have so, a hard time getting used to. Yeah, so so it's definitely an antidote to uh, to callbacks, mm-hmm. and it's, it has lots like it's it's kind of lots of you know functional programming paradigms are going in there, where and you really like you only have state on two sides of your application. You know, this, the state that comes from the server that goes into your application and then the state that comes out of your, like, on, in, you know, into that goes into the UI. And everything that happens in your business logic doesn't hold any state. It just transforms stuff on the fly. And, uh, yeah, and there's just really elegant ways to do that. And it can it can dramatically, like, shorten your code and also make it a little bit easier to reason about is yeah is is a good way to say it because you need to you need to get the hang of you know the hang of thinking with observables and and, and, and event streams and stuff like that. But yeah, it's 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 to me it's really super interesting, super fascinating, and I, I'm really uh, I'm kind of I'm, I'm I'm diving more more and more into it, and also uh, Andrew Stoltz. Who who did this really great in, introduction to reactive programming? He is he's also the author of a library called CycleJS, which is also uh, super interesting and depends on RxJS observables. So it uses it in its library, and uh, he gra- he gave a really really. Uh, I'm just going to refer to his talk that he gave at JSConf Budapest this year, 
where he explains. It's called um, what's it called? Something that the human humans are a function or something. Uh, what if the user was a function? Is what it's called. But so, what is CycleJS? Just in a in a CycleJS is 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 also a fr a framework like a JavaScript framework to to build components to build applications with, and uh, it has a very interesting way of thinking about programs. So it it's think it thinks of the user as as a function, basically something that takes input, you know, from the computer, like takes a message or you know like something. That, it, that the user sees on the screen and then outputs it um, and outputs something as a reaction which is or as an answer, which is like a mouse click or typing or something like that. And then the computer takes that input and then computes something and then also outputs something new, like a new, you know, new site or a new, you know, renders something new on the screen, which is also, again, an answer. And it just goes in a cycle like this. Okay. <clears throat> and... Um, And it's all, and he's this this kind of input that the user gives to the computer is modeled with with event streams, and it's also uh, very very functional. Um, his whole framework, like how he thinks, and you have basically you have like one main function, which is this computer function, and it takes all those input streams, those event streams that are modeled as drivers, basically that you can pass into, and then it just outputs the UI to the screen, and it's all done. It also uses a virtual DOM. There is actually a virtual DOM library that's just virtual dash DOM, and um, yeah, and it's it's uh, it seems like I've been watching this talk and study. I started reading his guides, which are also really really good. Uh, I think Cycle.js just uh, went 1.0 like in July or something like that. And um, yeah, I'm quite fascinated by it. And it's a, it's a very interesting concept. So definitely recommend it. I also actually recommended it today in the Slack chat to somebody who was looking for a new way to, to model UIs um, for a specific problem. Yeah, I think I saw it zipping by. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah, so, so much uh, going on. Yeah, Raquel, tell us about wombats and upside. Oh, yeah, down so the wombat works. developer union. <laughs> what is the story behind that? So it's actually a really funny story. Um, it all started when we had a uh, an intern uh, a couple years ago. Uh, so not this past summer, but the summer before, and. Um, He's an intern and, and he was asking a perfectly valid question about, uh, you know, slow internet or, or something like that. And I, I have this tendency to do things in analogies. I'm like really, really into analogies. And, uh, I don't know what came over me, but I decided to, to create this like story of why things were slow on the internet. And I said, um, I said, The internet is a series of tubes. I'm, I'm actually reading this out loud. I actually recorded this. Um, <laughs> the internet is a series of tubes. Sometimes things get clogged and sometimes there is a leak because tubes can be broken. There is no fix except to release a pack of wombats with pickaxes and little <laughs> helmets and bright orange vests for safety. And, <laughs> and then from there, uh, probably about four minutes later, um, one of my coworkers... Uh, CJ Silverio, she she wrote Wombat's Wombat Developers Union for the win, and <laughs> uh, and then uh, two minutes after that, I ask in another Slack channel. So this reminds me: do we or do we not have a name for those of us who work on or at NPM? And uh, Lori, our CTO, said, "Are we wombats?" And so the next day, just purely by coincidence. Uh, People were at JSConf, and uh, someone gets the NPM sticker, but they had it upside down. And he says, uh, at JSConf, I got a sticker for a company called WDU, but never heard of them. <laughs> and so I responded to that with, well, it's the Wombat Developer Union. They do stuff sometimes, right? And then, and then about a week after that, exactly one week later, Uh, I went on Twitter and I said, uh, someone with drawing skills, I am in need of a wombat in a ninja suit. Make me proud. And yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't 
know what to expect, but sure enough, uh, the the guy who's behind the uh, all of the wombat drawings that you that you see, like in terms of our stickers and stuff like that, this was when this is how we met. I said, "Hey, somebody who can draw, like draw me a wombat in a ninja suit." And sure enough, he drew a wombat in a ninja suit, just like totally on the fly. And it was just amazing. And we all fell in love with the little wombat that he drew. And uh, we started working with him full, like, you know, on a contract basis. And he has just been making all of our wombats since. And we've just been like, all right, we're wombats then. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Um, Very cool. And it's, it's really, really fun. Uh, yeah, so it's it's that's that's the story of of where the wombat came from. It basically came out of me being really silly, as you know, I, which I never, I'm never ever silly. So I don't know how it what came over me. Um, that was yeah, maybe I can't even imagine. That's, yeah, yeah no way. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then by the graces of the internet, it all it all came together. So that is the story of the wombat. And uh, Amazing. it's really cute. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the wombats, wombats are great. So I, I actually didn't know that they looked union. like that. Only now that that actually uh, Lewis Cowper he uh, posted like a little wombat gif where the wombat was kind of doing laundry, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was, or is pulling stuff out of a laundromat or something. It was really uh, yeah, yeah. So it's very cute. Like, I never, I never, it's, a, it's a super cute. Yeah, I, I mean, it's only in Australia. They, I actually thought that they were like bats, like that they would have like because yeah. I, I I heard the word wombat before. There was actually a band back in high school. There was a band called I think the Wombats or something. And I always thought that they're okay. just a form of bats, and they also hang from the ceiling and have like wings and stuff. But uh, they're actually not. So I mean, maybe they're bats, but that they don't have any. Maybe yeah. they belong into that kind of species no. or something. I don't know. It's like it's like the mongoose, right? The mongoose does not have. It's not a goose. It's a mammal. <laughs> okay. Right. Like like <clears throat> I. English is an annoying language. That's all I have to say about that. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't. I don't. Know. Is there a German word for know. wombats? Actually. Probably. I don't. No. Das. Wombat. <laughs> it would probably be der Wombat. <laughs> it's it's literally you know der, what? It's, the, it's literally der Wombat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is. You just looked it up. I did, but I don't okay. know if I trust. So when when did all this happen? When when did this these events occur that you just explained? Um, that was in June 2014. Oh, okay. So fairly yeah. recent. Right. Well, obviously, like, since well, you know, not that old. Nein. Yeah. Ah, there is a German word. Beutelmaus. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a mouse at all. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a ro- it's a rodent, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess. Don't. Although, uh, if I recall, there's a a German word for squirrel which basically Roughly translates to oak tree kitten. Kind of like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know that it's it's the common usage anymore. Um, but there is one. Eichhörnchen. Well, Eichhörnchen yeah. is is. Well, what is a hör- like? Hörnchen is not even anything. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, words are silly. Languages are silly, and yet we use them all the time anyway. Um, I think we have to wrap up. Oh, oh yeah, is it time already? Interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I know. Time just flies. Oh, Talking about flies. goes by fast. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'll just, I'll just yeah. uh, recommend the last, last link here that I have in my list, which is a, um, a video. It's, it's a talk from Alex uh, Alex Goldblum from uh, the Gimlet podcast company and he's kind of uh, it's from the XX XOXO festival which is seems to be a very special kind of festival with the very interesting speakers and he spoke there to uh, to talk about Gimlet and how they founded the company and his kind of 
story and lessons from that and it was a very very interesting talk it's interesting to see him too because i've here i've yeah i've heard his voice years and years like this american life planet money gimlet podcasts and stuff and um yeah because he comes from there right and um uh yeah so that was that's really very interesting very entertaining and uh definitely highly recommended yeah, and that's uh, that's it for cool. today. Um, wrapping up, um, I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter. You can reach us in the Slack channel. Oh, we actually have to big up some people from the Slacks. Let me see. Uh, mm. There is um, Kareen or Kareen, who I don't or know if that person say said anything yet. Uh, so, but still, uh, they joined. So, big ups, and also uh, Mikey, big ups for joining the Slack channel. And yay, um, yay. and um, yeah, and you can <laughs> you can reach us in the Slack channel and on Twitter at Reactive Pod. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Um, I'm. Raquel or Rockbot on Twitter. I'm Rockbot on Twitter. Uh, but definitely reach out on, on our Slack channel is the easiest way to get a hold of me um, or, you know, say hi on Twitter. But otherwise, you, you might as well send me smoke signals because that's, that's about as <laughs> how good I am at responding to other forms of communication. So, yeah. All right. I'm H. Gladagots on Twitter, and uh, don't eat too much candy this weekend, and talk to you next week. <laughs> oh, and uh, I would also highly recommend uh, check out the show notes there on reactive.audio, and of course, you find them in your podcast player, I guess, but uh, yeah, uh, Henning always puts a lot of work into putting everything together and making sure that we have all the links in there and stuff, and I think that they're really good show notes, so definitely uh, you know, click some links. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.